0: Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your host for the House of Hardcore Podcast, Tommy Dreamer! Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the House of Hardcore Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy Dreamer, and this week, one of my faves, mean, Gia Miller from Impact Wrestling. How are you? My
1: I am wonderful. I'm even better because now I have that recorded that you said that I'm one of your faves.
0: You, of course, you listen, man. You've <laughs> known this since the first day that we have met, that we just clicked right off the bat. We did. Um, Question to ask everybody, what got you hooked into this wonderful world of professional wrestling?
1: Oh, man, me and my dad watched it pretty much my whole life. My poor, poor father, he's a football coach with three daughters, so I became the boy. I was the one in the deer stand. I was going to football practice, and I was watching wrestling. Uh, So I watched it with him pretty much my whole life. And then once I got older and started, like, playing sports and performing and doing all of my own stuff, I started to realize, like, hmm, that might be a good thing for me to do. And so I that was just, it seemed like the natural progression.
0: Well, you say getting older. Let's uh, say, how old are you, Gia?
1: I am 24.
0: Okay. Uh, well, yeah, that's kind of... I still view you as what I've known you now three years. So two to three years.
1: Yeah. I think, I think we met, I was probably 20 when we met. Cause so I hadn't started wrestling yet. And I hadn't even started training when we met.
0: And you were still in college. You were just finishing mm-hmm. up. We met at an independent show for Ethan page mm-hmm. and you worked my merch table and that's where we, yes, headed. I did. Well, I had known about you through your boyfriend, Ace Austin, uh, who's doing extremely well for himself right now in New Japan. Just joined the Bull Club. That's going to be a whole thing. His ego is going to be through the roof. I don't know how you're going to have to deal with him.
1: Oh, um, I know. I don't know how. I think he's going to have to check another bag to fit it
0: on the place. He'll have to claim his ego at customs. <laughs> um, all right. So here's a few things. Number one, I'm from New York. You are from where? Mississippi. Now you said sitting up in a deer stand. Mm -hmm. So that's where I understand you uh, go very early in the morning.
1: Oh yeah. Super
0: early. And you sit there with a gun Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you shoot Bambi. You shoot innocent animals.
1: (laughs) No, 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 no. Don't shoot Bambi. We shoot Bambi's dad
0: all right well it is a big thing too because of overpopulation of deer it is during hunting absolutely season. It's yeah. you have to have it
1: i I take a uh, great pride in the hunter I was raised to be because my dad always taught uh, hunter safety and he taught hunters education so I and especially being on a deer stand so young he always preached safety to me and like why we do it we don't just you know go out and poach we do this legally and we do it you know, according to what those laws are. So like if the game warden is like, hey, we have too many does populating in the area right now, we're going to go out there to work on that rather than just hunt for sport or for trophies. And we also eat everything that we kill.
0: I've killed two deers, both of my vehicle, and I have <laughs> quickly found out how important it is like first the value of just like you're driving along And then all of a sudden you get hit you hit a deer mm-hmm. But yes, the hunting I'm also a big fan One of my guilty pleasures is swamp people Who love the show Oh
1: yeah, oh yeah
0: And they talk about If there was no hunting of alligators They are number one on the food chain They're also cannibals If there yeah. was no hunting of uh, alligators Then they would overpopulate the earth <laughs>
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's especially when they're at the top of the food chain like that. It, then they have they end up eating all their prey and then they start eating each other and then they start venturing out of the water to find food. And they start getting Fido who got let off the leash or the yeah. cat that's out or something like that. Uh, deer aren't predators, but they do become a hazard on the road when you have too many. That's like I drove out from Ohio to Rhode Island. And I saw so many deer on the side of the road. So on the way back, I counted how many dead deer, and it was 120. 120 dead deer on the side of the road. Just, I mean, that's a pretty long way, but still that's a lot of deer.
0: I counted how many deer from Detroit airport to Muskegon, which is a three hour drive. It's across Mm -hmm. the state. And I had 56 in three hours. These wow. are things, by the way, that people do uh, when we spend a lot of time in the car. Like, <laughs> yeah,
1: you got to entertain yourself.
0: <laughs> Count dead animals and dead deer uh-huh. on the side of the road.
1: Wow, not morbid at all.
0: Have you ever gone gator hunting? Because Mississippi is uh, has some gators too.
1: No, I've never been uh, gator hunting. We mostly just hunt uh, whitetail, uh, but. I think it would be very interesting. I've done some like swamp tours. I've like gone on like the airboats and stuff. And I've reached into the water and grabbed a snake when I wasn't supposed to, but I knew it wasn't venomous. So it was oh. fine. I, I watched a lot of animal planet as a kid. <laughs> so it like I did stuff like that, but I've never hunted alligators before.
0: Well, it's just, this is just you and me talking and nobody uh, is here listening to this. I don't like snakes at all. Almost fear. It's my pretty much only last fear that I have though. I have touched. Uh, I've c- tried to conquer all my fears. We have a few snakes in my koi pond and I hate mm. them. So I may have to invite you over to become my snake hunter to get rid of. Oh them.
1: yeah. Oh
0: yeah. yeah
1: nope, no no problem. They're
0: little snakes, but I don't like any type of snake. I love um, them. Do cool. you know what ex WWE diva champion uh, has gone alligator hunting? No. Michelle McCool.
1: That makes all the sense in the world.
0: Yeah, she's a badass. Yes,
1: she is.
0: <laughs> they would go out. She would tell me and out in the swamps in Florida and like her and her brothers. And uh, anyway, total side, awesome story. One day, hopefully, <laughs> if you meet her, you get to say, Dreamer said you're crazy and you've killed the gator, too. Um, so did Skinner, Steve Kern. All right. So how I know you did theater in school. You did. um, public speaking in school all these great life things that prepare you for your life but I know your first love and passion you want to be uh, in wrestling who was your inspiration really if you have one
1: oh man I mean I always go to China I, I mean she was just larger than life and I just remember watching her and just being enamored like it, truly just like a wonder of the world for sure and so she inspired me a lot uh but for the longest time I didn't really feel like I could do it because it, in my brain either had to look like China or you had to be a skinny mini and I just did not feel like I could be either one of those uh and I started getting into independent wrestling and things outside of the WWE once I got to being like 14, 15, I really started to discover like independent wrestling and everything like that. And one of the first people that I discovered was actually Jessica Havoc. And she was just so unique. I could see like a lot of inspiration that she had from other people that I liked. And so I saw a lot of that, but I I mostly saw that she was just authentically herself. And that just like, it was like a light bulb in my head when I watched her that you could just authentically be yourself and it can work for you. So she was a huge inspiration of mine. And I have a, I have a thing for larger than life women, clearly.
0: Nice. Um, You know, it's funny. You say around 14 years old, 15, a lot of people, not just women don't realize that. Mm -hmm. And it's a, it's an important life lesson that, you know, because a lot of people are uncomfortable in their own skin. But if you see people like that to inspire and that that's very profound at a young age that you saw that, um, kudos to you. Well, thank you. Trust me, I, I didn't have it until I was probably 26, 27 where wow. you know, m- my business was especially, you know, training in the 80s, wrestling in the early 90s beyond the cosmetic business. But I always felt that I had to be bigger, never missed working out. And then when I found myself, you know, listen, I never have had abs, but I started getting love handles. It's kind of just my body type. I mean, I've been super thin, still had love handles.
1: And
0: Mm -hmm. it was Paul Heyman who said, listen, stop. Cause I kept pulling my shirt down and pulling my pants up. And he was just like, either let it go or do something about it. And I was just like, I can't do anything bad. I could diet. I don't want to get liposuction or anything. Like Cause I also feel they'd come back. And I did like, I was like in a specific spot. I was upside down on our first ever national TV taping. And my shirt came all up uh, upside down. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, in my head, freaking out. My love handles are showing. My love handles are showing. Mm-hmm. Jerry hits me with the move, the kick to the head. And like, not one person like, oh my God, Tommy Dreamer's love handles. They're like, oh, for Tajiri. And I was like, wow, he was right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, And for me, it was my mom. Like, I remember being probably 14, 15 and wearing a crop top for the first time, literally like this much skin showing between the top of my pants and the, and the bottom of my shirt. And I was like standing just like this with my hands over my stomach. And we were out at the beach because that's what my mama would refer to as a beach outfit. And she was like, now, listen, if you're going to wear that, you've got to own it. You can't you can't just be standing there covering yourself up. You're going to wear it and you're going to wear it proud and confidently if you're going to wear it or you're going to put something else on that you feel more comfortable in. And I was like, no, okay, yeah, I think this outfit's cute. I like it. I like what I look like. I just have to own it. And it's so funny you mentioned love handles because my mama wanted my dad to be a wrestler for the longest time. And that was the reason he wouldn't. He was like, I've got love handles. I can't do it. I'm I'm too like I'm too fluffy. I can't do it. And he, he didn't want to wear a singlet and he didn't want to wear a t-shirt. So he was like, No, no, I won't do it. But mama's been driving it into our heads, I guess, for that long. Well,
0: that's that's cool that Mama Miller was uh, big time on that. And of course mm-hmm. your dad could do it, and he could also have gotten the a belly buster that some wrestlers have had sewn into their gear not going to expose a few of those people out there but uh that never worked for me um but that's uh that is cool that you know you also had that support at home valuable life lessons uh i i as you get older maybe you're an older soul but as you get older you you realize a lot of things that you were taught uh, in your life and it really has applies not only just in wrestling but just life lessons wrestling just magnifies it by 2000 so mm-hmm. um, now how do you go about starting this path into the business like going to wrestling school all that stuff
1: well I for the longest time thought that I was just going to be an actress and my parents were really supportive of that I wanted to go to school for psychiatry. And they were like, listen, we think that you're a talented actress. We think you need to go to be a performer. And I was like, all right, okay, I'll do that. And so I went to college and was majoring in theater. And I have always been confident in my own ability. And I knew what I was capable of. But I auditioned for like 16 productions and didn't get a single callback. And I was like, well, I know it's not me. So something's wrong here. Something's up. And I went to a director and she was like, Well, here's the thing. I love listening to you. When you talk, I want to pay attention. You have a very unique presence. But sometimes theater isn't the best place for that. And I didn't really understand what she meant at the time. I realize now what she meant was the, uh, the general cast is not the place for that that's a place for a lead role and we've already precast all of that so that it just wasn't going to work for me uh there and i walked out of that office and i was like okay i'm going to be a professional wrestler because that's something that you need and if i've got that then i'm going to use it and i had no clue how to get started i had no idea where to go what to do do you go to mma school do you have to play is there an actual professional wrestling school i had no clue and through the grapevine of me being outspoken about like wanting to be a wrestler someone was like oh you know i've got a friend and he's got a friend and she used to be a wrestler i'm like oh that's really strange uh well i mean i'd love to talk to him and i've got in contact with that guy he's like yeah yeah my friend she used to be a wrestler uh, she was actually uh, the WWE Women's Champion at one point, point. and I was like, "Who are you talking about?" And he said, "Well, her name's Deborah." And I was like, "Are we? Are we talking about Deborah, Deborah?" <laughs> and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was in the WWE. She did this, this, this." And I was like, "Oh my word!" And so one way or another, he he was like, "I'd love to make, get you in contact with her." And so I ended up going to dinner. And uh, hanging out with Deborah. And she was like, you know, just kind of talk to me about some stuff. And she was very kind and very honest and very open with me about a lot of stuff. And she was like, okay, I'm going to get you in contact with this person, this person, this person. And I reached out to them and some things kind of fell through, but I at least kind of knew what I wanted to do. And through just happenstance, I ended up getting a job in North Carolina. And I was like, well, let's look up training schools in North Carolina. And there was one that popped up and I, I was just kind of like, eh, whatever. And then another one popped up and it was George South Pro Wrestling School. And I was like, something just, just jumping out at me, like with that one. And there was no pictures on it, no nothing. It was just George South Pro Wrestling School. And so I just called the number and it's George's phone number. And so I left him a message and uh, he got back to me and he was like, well, hey girl. Uh, I got your message about you wanting to be a a wrestler. Uh, Now tell me, tell me, you're in Alabama now. And we had a big conversation and I ended up going to North Carolina and training with him. Uh, I trained with him, Caleb Conley and Jake Manning three days out of the week. And I was only able to be there for that summer for that job. And so I told him up front, like, I'm only going to be able to be here for like two months, but I want to do this. And he was like, all right, well, we're going to make the most out of this two months then. And he took me everywhere. He really, really took care of me. That whole crew did the whole, the training class, everybody that was there at high spots really, really took care of me and make sure, made sure I got the absolute most out of my time there. And then after that two months, I went back to Alabama and I was like, well, I don't really know what to do now. And George was like, don't worry, I'm going to take care of you. And so he got me in touch with our good friend, Mike Jackson.
0: Yes. First of all, I didn't know anything about your George South story, which is awesome.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: I'm a a big George South fan. And that's cool that he then refers you to the timeless classic Action Mike Jackson, who I just spoke to the other day, by the way. And um, hey there. Auto mechanics and super cool do-it-yourself guys who work on their own cars. I want to tell you about rockauto.com, the online store with every auto part at the best prices. This is your one-stop shop for everything auto parts. Rockauto.com has been in business for 20 years, and they make it easy to find the parts you need at the best possible prices. No more talking to counter guys who need to order your parts, aren't really sure what you're looking for, never have quite what you need. And then after all that hassle, they still charge you storefront markups at rockauto.com. You can easily find everything you need, whether you're a mechanic, an auto shop, or working on your own car. Everyone has access to the same incredible pricing at rockauto.com. So if you're a car guy, right now go to rockauto.com and check out all the parts available for your car. You're going to have so much fun looking at car parts. So once more, go to rockauto.com. No promo code needed as their pricing is already that good. When you order, please make sure to tell rockauto.com that you heard about them on the House of Hardcore podcast. rockauto.com. Now let's get back into it. So now you're training with Mike, and how old is Mike when when he starts training you?
1: He was seventy when he started training me, and I say training, but what actually happened was because he, he told me, "Oh, you're going to train with Mike," uh, and I talked to Mike on the phone, and you know he's, "Well, yeah, all right, now ma- meet me uh, at the at the American Legion this Saturday in uh, in Boaz, Alabama." I'll see you there. All right, okay, bring you bring you some gimmicks to sell so you can make you some gas money. And I was like, "Oh, okay, okay." okay. Yep. I was and and I I was at least familiar, so I was like why am I selling gimmicks if I'm just going to train and I assume help set up the ring and stuff like that. So I get there like three or four hours early and uh, I walk in and I shake hands with him and we start talking. And then another girl walks in, he's like, Oh, I, now this, the girl you're going to be wrestling tonight. And I was like, I'm sorry, what wrestling tonight? I thought I was here to train. Thank the Lord. I had something that at least resembled some gear. Because i had always been told take your gear with you everywhere so i always had it on deck just in case and uh he was like yeah this is the girl you're gonna be wrestling tonight we're gonna do a mixed tag so my first match <laughs> mike jackson is my tag partner and he was my tag partner for the whole time pretty much while i was down in alabama i only had probably one or two singles matches everything else was with uh was with mike and it was it was an experience
0: uh, you know, it's very, very cool from Deborah to George South to Mike Jackson. That's how the connection of wrestling is. It's really cool, mm-hmm. and Deborah. That's that's really awesome that she did that, and she was also, like you said, honest. She's a great person. Uh, I love every time I see her. And then just also that you know, not trying to take advantage of somebody, and you know, like it's all glitz and glamour, all that stuff. So it's yeah. Cool and um mike jackson man like you know what year is this because i'm trying to guess his age <laughs>
1: uh this was 2019 2019
0: so now he's about 73 74
1: mm-hmm. i think 72 and 73 so we're in that area
0: i will be tagging with him coming up in uh july by the way so all right i'm taking your spot in somewhere i will i will be upon you oh in
1: birmingham too all right
0: um well that's cool that you you have you for and you're when you talk about experience you're in there with somebody who's got a hell of a lot of experience so you're oh yeah basically doing some as tracy smothers god rest his soul you're doing some outlaws you're doing some independent wrestling and I'm sure you're seeing the the best and the worst of the professional wrestling business, but they're mm-hmm. all learning experiences.
1: Absolutely. George, on my very first day that I, you know, it was before I even started training in ring with him. He was just like, well, if you're in town, come to this show and just, you know, help out, kind of be around. And it was a outlaw show at a uh, shut down fairgrounds and uh, he, I got there before him and I was kind of helping pick up some trash and stuff like that, just kind of helping out. And he pulled me aside and he's like, did they tell you to do that? And I was like, oh no, nobody nobody told me to, but I, I just figured I'd help since I was here. He's like, okay, well, just so you know, you don't have to do anything that didn't come out of my mouth. You listen to me and you stick with me. You're a smart girl and it's not gonna take you long to figure out who knows what they're talking about and who doesn't. And I'm gonna make sure you're taken care of. So I've always counted myself very, very lucky to have been so well taken care of and protected by, I, I not only have one dad in wrestling, I have two, I have three. I have so many people that have taken care of me and really taught me a lot in a very short amount of time.
0: That's great. So with all these father figures, how the hell do you hook up with Ace Austin, young lady? Right.
1: Funnily enough, did I,
0: it with magic.
1: Yeah. He just appeared out of nowhere and there he was. Poof, we're dating. Yeah. Uh, no, he, again, through the grapevine of me being very outspoken about wanting to be a wrestler, my best friend in college, she was like, you know, there was this kid that went to my high school and he wanted to be a professional wrestler. And I think he'd be really good for each other. I was like, okay, well, did he want to be a professional wrestler or is he, there's a difference. And she <laughs> was like. No 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 I think I think he is one cuz like he was wrestling while we were still in high school I think I think he's like He's like, actually doing it. I was like, okay, well, I wasn't really interested. I had just gotten out of a relationship literally two days prior to this. And I'm like, I'm not really interested in dating anybody or talking to anybody. She's like, no, no, no. You, you got to listen to me. He likes this. He likes theater. He likes Batman. He, like he, she knew all these things about him and was just really, really putting him over to me. She's like, I really just think you two would be perfect for each other. And I was like, okay, well, show me his picture. And I was like, oh, well, he's kind of cute. That's fine. Uh, Give him my number. And she was like, oh, well, I don't have his number. I don't really know him like that. I'm like, what are we doing then? Why am I even putting this guy over to me so hard? And she was like, well, I just really, I like, I know him through this person, this person. And she's like, well, just add him on Instagram and and send him a, a message. And I was like, I am not about to do that no I'm not going to just message him and be like hey my friend that you don't know thinks that we should date uh but I did follow him just to like kind of see what he was about and according to him he said that when he saw me he thought that I was a catfish that I wasn't a real person and I was like a fake profile that somebody had made and uh I was also on private and I had like your bio and your instagram uh Mine said, uh, the wrestling girl in the theater department, because that was kind of my reputation at the time. Uh, and sh- he sent me a message immediately and was like, the wrestling girl in the theater department, question mark. And I'm going to put Ace <laughs> Austin, I'm going to expose him right now. because uh, he I said, oh, uh, LOL, that's me, yeah. He was like, well, I got to sit down because I was not prepared to meet my soulmate today. And I was like, okay, well, I have to admire the courage at least uh so we talked a little bit and then we ended up meeting in new orleans during wrestlemania weekend uh that year in 2018 uh and it was pretty much we met and that was it
0: that is pretty uh cool
1: very uh very modern love story I was say I guess.
0: modern dating i don't answer anybody who slides into my dms on instagram because they're all weird
1: yeah. Um, hey, at
0: least it worked out for one person. Yeah, it worked two. out in this,
1: in this case.
0: Um, Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because I don't know how you get hooked up with Impact. Obviously, uh, Ace is there. But didn't you have like a job or a job offer doing something with like broadcasting or something like that when this is all going on?
1: So when I got hooked up with Impact, I was still in school and I have degrees in theater, telecommunications, film, uh, and journalism. So I was doing kind of some broadcast stuff. I was doing uh, just a little bit of everything uh, that I thought would be beneficial to me in the long run with wrestling and television production and things like that. And I was going to the Impact Show in Atlanta right before COVID. And I was just going to go, like, just buy a ticket, be in the crowd. I just wanted to see it because I had been dating Ace for two years at that point. But I didn't want to be just the girlfriend in the locker room. That just wasn't really, I didn't want to have that type of reputation. And I didn't want to be in the way either. And I mentioned it to Mike, actually. And he said, oh, well, I'm going and I'm wrestling on the show. So how about you go with me? You're not going there as his girlfriend. You're going there with me. And maybe if an opportunity, you know, happens, then you're there. And I said, OK, yeah, I, I think that sounds good. I'm comfortable doing that. I'm, I, I'll go anywhere Mike tells me to go because I always trust him. He's always taking care of me. And we went and we got there super early. And it just so happened that they were looking for an interviewer. And Madison Rain was actually the one to ask me about it. She was like, have you ever done anything like that before? I said, well, as a matter of fact, I am in journalism in, in college. I've done a little bit of it. I've not done it for professional wrestling, but I have had this many matches at this point. I've been an announcer on an outlaw show before. So I feel like I could probably do it. I feel like I'm, I'm pretty professional and well-trained. I could I could probably pull it off. And they were going to try me out that day And then, you know, now I know how it all goes, you know, sometimes those things just don't happen that day, especially when we're behind or whatever. And then it fell through, but at least I I got my foot in the door. I was like, that's the best that day could have gone. I made a good impression. Someone considered me. I heard my name being thrown around. And so that's all I could ask for that day. And then when COVID happened, when the shutdown happened, I happened to be uh, with Ace and Sammy and Jessica just for a couple of days. And when they shut everything down, they shut down my campus. They wouldn't let us come back. And my mom was like really freaked out and was like, I don't want you on the road, stay in Ohio. And when they started talking about doing the close set tapings, I somebody messaged Jess or Sammy and said, Is is that girl with y'all? Is Ace's girlfriend still with y'all? And they said yeah. And they were like, Well, bring her with you. And that was it. So I didn't even have a tryout. Really, my, my tryout was filming that first six weeks of TV. Wow. And it was, it, you know, go straight into the deep end.
0: And uh, something you have quickly excelled in. Uh, you're, most people don't realize, I mean, you are a big part of the show because you're forwarding storylines, you know, with your interviews. I have personally pitched several ideas yeah. for you to wrestle. <laughs> And uh, that has not happened yet. I don't know why kind of gets me angered, but Hey, um, I'm not the boss. If I was the boss, yes, yeah, be wrestling and interviewing, but, <laughs> um, and a lot of people don't see it because it's BTI or it's the YouTube shows, but you're really, really, uh, excellent in your role carrying, uh, a- as I would say you're the lead host. Um, Josh does, Josh is insanely great. at. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, I can't believe some of the things that he time-wise that he hits and things that he remembers. He is amazing at that job.
1: Yeah. Josh does not get enough credit for just how good he is. He's really been a mentor of mine since we started doing BTI. And like he was, that first six weeks, he was right there behind the camera, kind of coaching me through everything. And they just kept it simple for me, kept it easy, but they kept giving me more and more and more. And then it was Oh, host this, host BTI. Like, here's what we're kind of trusting you with. And Josh has been there every step of the way to like help me out and make sure that I'm the best that I can be. After after a couple episodes of BTI, he's like, hey, I, I paid attention and noticed that you say this a lot as a crutch. So let's try and not say that so much. He's been there to coach me every step of the way. And I think I've shown that much improvement because I've had really good guidance.
0: Yeah, uh, again, Josh, I- I've seen him hit times where he's got all these things you got to promote in 30 seconds and hits Mm -hmm. it at 30 seconds. And and there's so much that goes into that, that it's not like it's a free forum. I've also seen you guys have to fill in 12 seconds and you literally have to fill in 12 seconds of importance Mm -hmm. saying something on, and this is an on camera and there's, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's not you and Josh, there's sometimes three people, there's also guests walking in. So it's, and everybody has to hit their time, and it's, uh, yeah. and he's also very, very good on the fly. Where if it's even like a cover up, or if he needs to extend something, and in his, and there's not, which I don't know why there isn't, but I've been there directing it or just sitting there, and there's no countdown clock. And yeah, all in his crazed head, but he is one of the best hosts I've ever seen. Uh, and hosting it he, he's great for you know on shows like that that are chopped up or you know edited he's a perfect pitch person from hey we're going to story a to story b or this is a recap of why everybody's wrestling towards a pay-per-view and all that stuff and that's cool that you get to Oregon because he too was I mean I've known Josh's entire career um, and he was trained by you know, some of the best and the Michael Coles and all that stuff mm-hmm. and learning in the WWE system. So it's great that you're getting that knowledge, you know, firsthand. And then hopefully you pass it down one day when you're grizzled at 30 years old.
1: Ideally, ideally.
0: <laughs> um, wrestling, you have wrestled in Impact. I remember it was for our throwback show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what is your character's name? Rusty Iron. Oh, yeah. Can you say that one more time in English and not your Mississippian?
1: Um, rusty Iron.
0: Thank you. Rusty Iron. Hold,
1: <laughs> I have to hold my invisible microphone so that I have a neutral accent.
0: Um, yeah, that was a rough one. Um, <laughs> and you were a heel. You were a damn good heel. I think the coolest part about when you had your your official match for you know television, when you came in the back and how many people were so happy for what the great job that you did and you did do a great job, but it was also so different than your on-air persona that you had. And it was just, it was a really feel good moment. And it was like a locker room sellout for the back. But what did it mean for you doing it?
1: Man, I, I honestly, I couldn't believe it when it was pitched to me. I thought it was a joke because uh, Jimmy actually was the one that just brought it up to me randomly and he was like so you're wrestling and I was like uh I, I I have wrestled yes he was like no on impact uh, for the for the throwback show you're wrestling I was like I am he was like oh well yeah I mean has nobody talked to you yet I'm like no not yet because and this was several 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 weeks out and so I was like oh my gosh like freaking out I was like what am I going to do but I was so excited and it's funny like When you say about like how everybody was so excited and happy and like a locker room sellout for that, I really feel like I've kind of become the little sister of the locker room, Uh, especially being the youngest and the newest to the business. I think everybody has kind of taken me under their wing in some form or fashion. So I, I feel like it's almost like a collective effort to finally see what everyone's taught me up until that point. Me go out and try to put all of that knowledge to use, and then of course I was with someone that can literally wrestle a broomstick, Diana. So it, it was such a low stress night, and I wrestled for OVW for a couple of weeks at that point, so I was used to the venue and I was used to the ring, and I felt very comfortable. So it was one of the matches that like I expected myself to be just absolutely terrified before I went out, but I just felt like so confident and so excited. I was nervous, but it was like, it was a good nervous. Like, I can't believe that this is, this is actually happening because it's always been on my to-do list to wrestle for impact as like, even as an interviewer, whatever, that was the natural progression in my head. That was always what I wanted to do, but I never, ever, ever expected it to be this early. I expected it to be much farther down the road, even if it was you know a one time thing i was just grateful that anybody had trusted me enough to even do that so it was just kind of like a really feel good moment for me because it was like a lot of that hard work had paid off and and i felt like i i performed well i felt like it was the best match i had had so far uh and I think it's, it's really in part because of that confidence and the confidence that everyone else had in me was why I was able to be confident myself.
0: myself. Um, very well said. I can't, uh, I can't top that uh, or comment on it because you're hundred percent correct. Um, and it was a great moment. Did not you have another one after that too?
1: I did. I had one in Dallas with Jordan
0: uh,
1: or with Georgia Cobb.
0: How stiff is Georgia Cobb?
1: much lighter than jordan grace (laughs) (laughs) no jordan took great care of me she was i I only peed on myself a little bit
0: i tell her because she uh, punched me in my stomach really hard once in a battle royal and uh, (laughs) we were having such a great time and then she just legit uppercutted me uh and i was just like why would you do that and i seriously pushed her away because i had to get my air because she just uh bam for no reason (laughs) and then she laughed
1: that sounds like Jordan.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> uh, what about, you know, you got your whole life ahead of you. What's your future goals?
1: I actually had this conversation with someone recently and it was, it's always been kind of hard for me to pin down like a goal because I'm so young and like, you just never know where the road's going to take you. You never know what you're going to end up doing. Cause I've been doing a lot of managing lately and I never thought that was something that I'd be interested in, but I've really, really enjoyed it. I think my ultimate goal is to be an icon. Like when people talk about either, I don't care what it is, the best interviewers or the best managers or the pillars of the knockouts division. One day I want to be in that conversation. I want to be one of those iconic people that like, I I use Christy as an example all the time. Like If you're in wrestling, you know who Christy Hemme is. I could say, Christy Hemme, I don't have to explain who she is. I, I could say, Tommy Dreamer, I don't have to explain who you are everybody knows because you're iconic. And that's what I want to be one day. (laughs) I don't know what it's going to be for, but that's what I want to be. I want to leave some sort of lasting impression, ideally a good one. Uh, But yeah, I just want to, I want to be in the conversation even after my time is done.
0: Nice. Um, Well, I'm, I got nothing else to say. I like, uh, (laughs) I like all this. There's not an argument. There's, there's, you know, you know who you are, and that's really, really cool. You have a great support system from your parents, you know, your boyfriend, and your peers. So uh, you're on the right path uh, for life. And like for me, and I'm 24, I'm just starting my feud with Raven and my journey to become somebody in the industry is just starting, just like it's uh, going to start for you. How um, do we find you on your socials?
1: My socials, I am mean Gia Miller all across the board, no spaces, no capitals, no nothing, just mean Gia Miller.
0: And you're not really mean, just some genius dubbed you that on television a couple of yeah, times.
1: Yeah, who was that? I wonder. <laughs> hey, it's stuck.
0: Well, I did it because it was mean Jean. and then that's mm-hmm. how I said mean Gia. Yay, you got to start somehow to become iconic. Look at mean Gene. So that's absolutely why I absolutely mean. Well, thank you, my dear, for being uh, on this week's episode of the House of Hardcore Podcast. I look forward to seeing you coming up at Slammiversary and always just sharing a locker room with you because, uh, again, you're one of my favorites.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for everything that you've done for me. And thanks for having me
0: on. And that's this week's episode of the House of Hardcore Podcast.